Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the GMS Magazine podcast. This is the RPG Room. I am Paco Garcia, your host. And I'm Sean Harris. But also, your host, by the way, um, not just any random person who comes here. I'm Sean is your host. And this is the RPG Room, the show in which we talk about um, role-playing game topics that sometimes necessarily related to any specific role-playing game, uh, like today. Uh, if you have ever listened any of the episodes, especially in this uh, more recent series, uh, we've gone more into the social aspect of, of role-playing games. And um, there is an aspect that I have been longing to talk about for a very long time. And... Um, I kind of suggested it to Sean, and um, Sean, you said, wow, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, we're going to talk about what it is like to be a black gamer within the role-playing game community, because uh, for obvious reasons, I have absolutely zero idea what mm-hmm. that is like. But for obvious reasons, Sean, you are undoubtedly an expert <laughs> yes and and also i by myself represent all black people at all times in all places throughout recorded history absolutely so, so only listen to me and no one else and um, <laughs> <laughs> listen we know that you all speak with one single voice and you are always in agreement about anything and everything that has to do with anything and everything that has ever happened to any of you anywhere on the planet it's like you have some sort of collective consciousness isn't it yes it's like a hive mind it's um it's almost like a you know those ice zombies in game of thrones it's like that it's like just a a mindless horde of black, 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 and, and we're coming after you, all of yeah. us. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, you know, the Borg exists because of you. You are going to become the Borg in about 500 years. That, that's, 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 that's where you're going yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, but the Borg, I believe, are, like, intelligent. So, so it's like, think of the, the mindless... Okay. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. So we've been okay. So we've we've been joking. There is this, um, uh, but this is true, isn't it? I mean, there is this kind of attitude when uh, white people talk about, and I'm saying about very carefully here uh, about the black experience because, of course, that is something that white people know everything about as well. Um, it it feels it sounds like they think that you are a monolithic bunch of humans who are all alike at some level. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Not even a li- all alike in a flattering way. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, for instance, if, like, if we were talking about elves from Lord of the Rings, okay. <laughs> but it's <laughs> um, it, it's, it's like in D&D terms like we're orcs or goblins or something where it's like okay we're all alike and we're all um, and then it comes with like a, this 
sort of um, insinuation that um, that not only are we all alike, we're all like kind of uh, animalistic or bestial in some way, and and that um, you know we're all pissed off about everything ever, and that you know yeah that we only have like one emotion, well two. All right, maybe three emotions. It's like horny, angry, and content. <laughs> and it's or it's um, and then it's um, then there's the assumption it's like the weirdness where it's like they seem shocked that we can read, <laughs> or or that we can you know um, communicate effectively in English. <laughs> it's it's it, it's something you know. It's like um. It, and it shows in the way people respond to the things we create. Like um, when, and this is tangentially related to um, RPG culture, but it's nerd culture, so it's by definition connected to RPG culture. Like when Black Panther came out, mm-hmm. people were surprised it was good. But like Ryan Coogler is a masterful filmmaker. It's it's not like he's some dodo they hired off the street. He He'd already been a, like an award-winning filmmaker, um, who did um, what you call him, Creed, and I think I don't know if he did Fruitville Station or not, or if that was someone else. But but yeah, it was like they were surprised that he actually did a good job with this film. I'm like, well, are you shocked? Or or they'll read something by a, um, a black author like um, N.K. Jemison. Yeah, I was thinking about her actually. And and be like, oh my god, this is so well done. I'm like. Of course it's well done. She knows, you know, she's an award-winning author. She, uh, you know... She, she can write, actually. She yeah. can write very well. Yeah, she, you know, she has, like, some credits under her belt. <laughs> she's been at this a minute. <laughs> or, um... And so what happens is that... You know, so it's sort of like they get... They seem to be very surprised that we're competent at things. Or that we know things, <laughs> or, or that you know we have expertise, and and that's kind of um, uh, they can be very frustrating to deal with. <laughs> but but yeah, it's just it's it's kind of interesting how like uh, how that I can't say it doesn't bother me. It does when I encounter it too much, but yeah. Um, Okay, so let's let's talk about your experience mm-hmm. as as a black player within you know your gaming community, um, because I, I bet that you will have seen some differences between uh, black players and white players or uh, Latin players. Right. Uh, tell me a little bit how what has been your uh, player circle throughout the years? Has it changed from the moment you started players so many years ago to what it is now? Can you see a, a more uh, homogeneous mix or is it still very heterogeneous? Okay. Those are the right words to use. I, I think I get where you're coming, where you, where you, the thrust of your question. Um, when I started playing, I was often one of one or two black players in a majority white environment. 
Okay. And this is when I was in undergrad, like um, attempting to do LARP. And this is, I think this is how I realized LARPing is not for me. Um, I attempted to do that and it was like one or two of us were black. And at the time I was not, uh, I just, at the time I just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, and I also didn't necessarily have the uh, vocabulary or analysis to look at the situation and see certain elements that probably would send up red flags today. Okay. Um, And also because I had no self-esteem, I put up with it. The, I mean, because, I mean, Listener, you have to understand that um, I didn't, I'm from the South. Um, I grew up in Virginia and I went to school in Florida and my undergraduate education was in Florida. And since this, and I'm not talking about Miami or Orlando, I mean, Jacksonville, Tallahassee, stuff like that. (laughs) So basically Southern Georgia. And the, and, and because of that, the environment I was in, and I went to an, and I went to a historically black, and I went to an HBCU on top of that. So the environment I was role playing in was it, very different from the environment I was getting my education in. So on my day-to-day life, I'm surrounded by black people. And that, um, and, and that had, comes with its own baggage too, because you know, uh, like, yeah, we were, I was joking in the beginning, but it's like nothing disabuses you of messed up ideas about black people than actually spending immersing yourself in an environment where you're surrounded by black people. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean for like an hour or two. I mean like for months, 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 or years. And um, and so like uh, so I did like the amp guard thing. I then you know it kind of segued into tabletop gaming and that kind of segue into well there was a uh larping again to get, try to get my role playing fixed and it's and, and looking like i said looking back on it, it was like some kind of funkiness going on there um and i don't think the people at the table were consciously racist but I noticed that when I try to um, incorporate different elements of my identity or history into like the characters I played, it created friction. Mm. So like I, for instance, I created a, um, a character that was sort of based on a, uh, Southern planter, you know, Southern plantation owner or whatever. And that created static. I mean, in that, in the people's defense, I was pretty clumsy about it. And this is before things like X card or whatnot actually became uh, widespread tools for games. Mm -hmm. So the whole question of what players were willing to deal with at the table was literally not a conversation that was being had. So part of that, I, I think, was my fault. But on the other hand, when you and this was like a World of Darkness game, this was not D and D. 
<laughs> so if you're dealing with a game with hard elements, I'm kind of like scratching my head where it's like, uh, okay, we're literally talking about monsters here and uh, this is what kind of sets you off kind of situation. Um, and so, and like, again, this is before I got self-esteem, before I said, you know what, I'd rather not game at all than to have a miserable time or to be around people who didn't want to be around me. Um, and so that's like that, those early experiences. And then I, um, and then it was a while before I found in my group, uh, another group of people who I became very close friends with over time. And, and that was like a smaller group, but there was another black player in that group. And that black player had grown up mm-hmm. like the rest of the group. Mm. And, um, and there was a lot less. And then another player who was white grew up in Martinique, which is probably like people. And when they, and that player came to the States, to the city I lived in, or to the city I live in, rather, uh, that player lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. Okay. So a lot of the racial stuff, a lot of the racial funkiness wasn't there. But then this game was majority male. So the gender stuff started coming up. Okay. So and I, and I bet it was probably majority straight. So that also started yeah, coming up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I convinced myself I was straight at the time. Oh well, <laughs> I think a lot of us have gone through that. I think. Yeah, like I told myself I was straight. I, I am a just for clarification's sake, dear listener. I am a late blooming lesbian, and thank God because I don't think I could have handled it in high school. Fair, fair enough indeed. So let me ask you something. Um, did you feel more accepted or do you see less? Uh, let me see how, how can I frame this? Okay, I'm going to make an assumption and is that by the time that you joined your gaming groups, mm-hmm. you, were, you were aware of the racial injustice and what was like to be a black person within your community. The fact that racism exists and that you were going to be and that you were a victim of that at the time and you could see and identify it. Am, am I correct there? Ish. Um, like I said, it, it's like I didn't necessarily have a vocabulary for it. Okay. But there were gut feelings. Okay. Or, you know, and then it's like, wait a minute, why am I getting static about this or why? Why is this such a, you know, it's things, there are things I only recognize in hindsight and okay. not necessarily while I was experiencing them. So, so you had your spider sense tingling. Yeah. At, at, at times. Okay. So did, did you, did you feel, and, and I know this may be a difficult question to answer, but do you, did you feel at the time that that spider sense wasn't really tingling when you were in your gaming group as often as it was when you weren't? As in, was the gaming group a safer place for 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 you as a black person to be than other groups that you might have intermingled with? Is that, is that making sense? That question. Yes, I understand. It's hard to say because racism is so 
especially in the environment I grew up in and especially in the environment I went to school in. And I mean, by school, I mean college. It, it was so ubiquitous. It's like the air you breathe. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like, like my spider sense is kind of tingle when like, for like someone who might be an overt bigot. Okay. Or someone who, or, you know, someone who might have some issues when it comes to black people. And, and this was long before I started learning I could trust my instincts about stuff like this. Mm. So at the time, it's like I might have felt bad, but I, and like I said, I had no self-esteem. So I internalized a lot of that and thought the problem was me instead of um, being like, wait a minute, this this is this, something is not right about the way I'm being treated here. Mm. So, so it's like, I mean, like I said, I, you know, I was a deeply lonely teenager. I was deeply lonely as an adolescent, deeply lonely as a young adult. So, and I was so desperate for company that, mm. you know, that even in times when it kind of went kind of funky, I persisted because I wanted, I was so desperate for company. But then I learned to like my own company, so I probably wouldn't make the same decision if I like had a time machine or something. But I don't know if that answered your question or not. But. Uh, well, it, it, it does to some degree. And the reason I was asking, um, it's um, because I hear an awful lot of, of white folk how they say, oh, uh, we've never had any problems with people sitting, you know, with black people sitting around our tables or with women sitting around our tables when I started playing games 47,000 years ago. Um, because immediately those people have been playing role playing games for forty years. You know they're all. You know I'm 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 one of the earlier ones. You know I was there, kind of situation. Right. I, 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 whenever I hear that, I my, my thinking immediately goes into. Dude, you. I bet you were the kind of people who was only so happy to go, out with a black person in your group just to go to a fast food chain restaurant and immediately order fried chicken for that black person without <laughs> even asking. Um, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's, the, the, yeah. it's, it's like, it's not that it wasn't there, just why is it so hard for you to see that it couldn't see it? So what I wanted to, to, to get to with my question is as to whether those things were there, but People just didn't see them, which is basically what, what you've got at. Yeah. 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 Um, let me do that. I do recall um, role playing very much being a straight white man's hobby, um, especially in hindsight. I, I, the, the role playing community is not where I would seek out black nerds like me. Um, or, you know, it, it's just, and, and the black nerds who were there, it's like, okay, <laughs> let, let me kind of break this down. Okay, okay, for the, the vast majority of game of role players were white. 
men, followed by white women. And that's like, you know, a huge chunk of it. This is like, I'm trying to look at, I'm trying to see percentage-wise. I can't say percentage-wise, but like a noticeable majority of straight white men. Mm -hmm. Then a noticeable minority of white women. And then a glaring minority of uh, black male gamers. And a out of all black gamers, period, a, a very a sliver. I'd be like, I would probably be the only black woman there. Wow. And and often I'm usually one of I'm either the only black person, the only black woman, or one of t- two black people. Like two or it's like out of a group of twenty, it might be one or two of us who are black. That must have been very intimidating, wasn't it? I mean, I, I have been in groups of just of literally 13 women and two men uh, years ago when I was training as a psychotherapist. And I did have to bring myself to control my, my maleness, so to speak, because at some point it was like, damn, I... I'm in a minority. They are talking about things in a way that I am not used to hearing. And I, I had to learn to, that's how it goes, mate. This is, you know, this is what happens when you're in a minority. That must have been overwhelming for you. Um, yeah, I guess. Um, like, again, it's like at the time, I would not have chalked it up to my race and gender. But I definitely noticed. <laughs> I definitely noticed. It's like, wow, there's a lot of white people here. Um, or I'm the only black person here or something like that. Um, and, you know, and, and it's something I notice in any kind of environment I'm in. It's, so it's like, it, count the black people. It's kind of <laughs> my default setting in a public place or my default setting in an unfamiliar environment. So, it's something I do. It's something that feels automatic, and I don't really think about it. Hmm. So, which is quite telling, isn't it? Yeah. In it in itself, um, because I mean, at least at the time, and and I, and I admit it, you know, ten or fifteen years ago, I, I was a sexist asshole, and you know, I I only learned to behave like a decent human being in the last seventeen years uh, when I was exposed. To you know, all the people basically. Um, so I don't know. It just from from here, from where I'm standing. Did, did you go to conventions and things like that? Mm, not really. Okay. They're usually out of my price range, <laughs> or, or out of my price range, way out of the way. Um, or the things that they're doing, or, or it's like they're out of my price range. The dates don't line up with something I'm doing. Like a lot of these conventions are on the weekends. And if I want to be the least bit Shabbat observant, I can't do it. Um, and then that blows because <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I'd like to be able to attend, but that whole uh, driving, now, well, I do drive on Shabbat occasionally, but like, um, but making a decision to, to, do something like that on Shabbat, it's like, 
uh, mm. you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's really tough. It, it's really tough. So this is my cue to um, conventions and whatnot. Please schedule things for days other than Shabbat. That's <laughs> not, not, not bad advice. And I, I hope I'm not coming up um, condescending or anything. I'm just trying to figure out because I, 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 I cannot really... I don't have any um, uh, reference mm -hmm. to relate to your experience. So I'm, I'm trying to find out what would be the closest that I have experienced that would make me feel in a way that could make me empathize with the way that you could have felt at the time. So if, if I'm given, you know, the wrong kind of comparison, I'm not trying to make this about me. I'm just trying to figure out how can I bridge into your experience to see if I can get anywhere near close to, you know, empathize with it, not even understand it, just empathize. Right. Uh, which is not have easy, you, I can tell you. Right. Have you ever been in an environment where you're the only non-native speaker of English or the only person of a Roma descent? Uh, well, yes. Um, but for me, that, that's a different thing because I only learned about my heritage uh, when I was in my early 20s. Okay. And that was an incredibly well-hidden secret in my family. Uh, and, and it only came out uh, one day that my mom was incredibly angry with something that my aunt had said. And she told this to me on a wrathful diatribe to basically as, as a basic as a racist thing mm. you know your aunt is doing this because this is where they come from this is where your mm. father comes from this is where your grandparents come from and it was a bit mm. oh yeah. holy shit. this is where i come from and suddenly that, that those were a couple of very interesting weeks i can tell you okay yeah so so you're gonna have to tell me that story sometime but um let me see i'm trying to think like because being black in America is such a specific thing. Um, and people don't realize it. <laughs> um, even, even people who think they know what America is like, it's like they don't realize how specific the black experience in America is. But is, um, is, isn't there a massive difference between the rural black experience and the city black experience? Is, is there... Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it's uh, there, there are massive ex there are massive differences based on region, um, mm -hmm. because southern black people are not like northern black people, and I know a lot of northern black people who are from black people from the north have roots that come down south, but that's not the same as being raised down here, <laughs> not the same as living down here. Um. And there's also like other elements of the African diaspora um, to consider where like black people who have a background, who have a West Indian background are, you know, have a different experience, especially um, depending on where they are. And then there's, of course, the rural urban, the rural urban, <laughs> urban the rural <laughs> urban divide too, where um, like my parents, country as hell um my strongly rural and that shapes a lot of their and that shapes a lot of your um understanding of things and how you go about doing things and okay listener i'm going to 
this is one of those nuanced things <laughs> that we're gonna do because um and this is just me talking about my personal experience because I am a southern I'm a child of the South born and bred. Um <laughs> and don't let uh Virginia fool you. Virginia is the South. Don't forget what you think about Alexandria, Arlington. Which are basically DC suburbs. Screw all Northern Virginia. I'm not saying screw Northern Virginia, but don't judge all of Virginia by Northern Virginia. The vast majority of, of Virginia is very Southern. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to, like I said, I went to college in, this, in uh, Florida. But I did live in New York for four years. And there is a, I did live in New York for four years, and I often interact with um, black people from big cities, you know, from, from D.C., Chicago, um, but not so much Los Angeles, but definitely Oakland, you know, the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So, and I notice a distinct difference in, like, the general attitude. And and another and a, a friend slash mentor of mine kind of explained it this way, and I'm not. And before y'all get up and all start canceling me on Twitter, I'm not saying I fully endorse this, but I am saying that it's an observation I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and he explained it as a difference between north and south, but I think this is more rural and urban. He said that northern black people are very angry, but mm-hmm. don't know what they're angry about. Southern black people take a lot of this stuff in stride. Um, and it's not because we're less angry, we just in this, and he gave an example of like his mother, he was talking about his mom where like someone white was giving her shit about something and his mother you know, a, a proper southern woman <laughs> you know, just calmly looked at this white lady and said did you know that black people will kill you? And that was the end of that situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, you know, it's like, to me, it's humorous because, like, she just calmly said, pretty <laughs> much calmly threatened to kill this person and nobody did anything. But, like, I think that's kind of, um, that's kind of the uh, difference. It's like, and I noticed this, too, and I, and I noticed this, like, when I was interacting with my New Yorker friends, sometimes it's like, because... I never feel more Southern than when I'm in New York. <laughs> okay. People really notice it. And it's like, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I notice your accent. I'm like, I have an accent. <laughs> it's like, I have an accent. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And it's like, in some of your mannerisms and whatnot. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's like, because like one time I was just like, some guy was trying to talk me into something and I wasn't saying anything. I was just, you know, just letting him talk. And 
like one of my native New Yorker friends was like, oh my God, for a minute I thought you were falling for it, but then I realized you were just being Southern and polite. <laughs> so, so it's like, yeah, little, little stuff like that, where it's like, um, like for instance, a lot of people in America joke about like wanting to cut Florida off or whatever, but it's like, it's, but it, you know, it's interesting that you know one of the most successful boycotts in American history took place in Montgomery, Alabama. Um, that the civil rights movement really galvanized in the South. So it, it, it's like, and I don't want to call it a sleeping giant or anything like that. It's like, yeah, in the South we're slow but determined. <laughs> it's like once we make our mind up about something, it's like, it, it, it's like. It's like a glacier, you know, okay. it's, it, it's, yeah, it's slow, but unstoppable. And what, cause once it starts moving, that's it. Um, and a lot of my more urban friends are used to a faster pace of living, mm -hmm. are used to, um, <laughs> dealing with things in a more straightforward manner. So, and I kind of have to say it like this. And so I think a lot of, urban black people look down on the more rural black people um, because yes, there are disparities in education. You know, there are disparities in um, earning wages and whatnot. Um, and, and I don't just mean like farming or everything, but just black people from rural environments in general. Um, like a lot of the things that I noticed that um, that are they're not popular but certain trends like things like rooftop gardens or like keeping chickens or like things that are trendy kind of trendy in urban environments for things that people in my um like people from people down here in the rural areas have been doing for like ever <laughs> we're doing mm -hmm. this for generations um it's like, yeah, it's sort of like when I, it, it's like what, how shocked I was when I found out how expensive kale was. Like, we talking about kale's like a dollar fifty a pound, and it's like that stuff grows like. <laughs> I could just go knock on my aunt's door and get kale, like a whole bushel of kale for less. He's <laughs> a weed, isn't it? Yeah, or it's like, you know. So it's like, what do you mean collard greens are like? A, you know, why are you charging a dollar for like? Like like four little leaves of collard greens. Like like I can't get that. <laughs> so it's like, what are you talking about? But um, so so I, I mean, and I'm saying this a lot because it's sort of like um, and also there's the perception that black culture is urban culture, and and that's also a misconception because mm. there are a lot of black folks like myself, country as hell, and I am definitely a country mouse. So. You know, but yeah, it's, it's it's really, people don't ascribe nuance or complexity to Black culture, and they really should. Mm. They really should. So going going back into your experience as, as a gamer, um, when you were those four years that the, you mentioned you were in New York City, uh, mm. did you uh, did you play games at that time? With with yes. people from that area, what, yes. what was what was it like? What was different between playing with your friends in Virginia and playing with with your friends in New York? 
Um, a lot. Um, first of all, so many more options. Um, and also because New York itself, <laughs> it's like you're going to have a more diverse pool of gamers. It's, it's just it's just the nature of doing anything in New York. So, I mean, so I wasn't surprised to find more black gamers, more queer gamers, more women who were gamers. It's just like it, it's sort of like having having an abundance of choices. Um, and I was able to play different systems. And, uh, you know, and people weren't surprised to find me. You know, people weren't surprised, didn't seem shocked to see me when I showed up or, you know, didn't seem confused, <laughs> didn't act like I was confused or lost when I, you know, look, looked around. It's like they assumed I was looking for the gaming table instead of, like, assuming I was looking for, I don't know, uh, a clothing store. I don't know what they thought I was looking for. <laughs> but um, it's... Uh, it, it was very, very rewarding in that regard um, because it was so much easier to find. It, it's just like there's so many people doing that that it's so much easier to find people who, who kind of are like me in that in that way. You know, so it's just it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> Let's put it that way. It was fantastic, and it's also the fact that um, in addition to that. Uh, the pool of gamers skewed a bit older, or rather, my peer, I, my, I, and the rest of my peer group were older, so we're not dealing with awkward teenagers or know-it-all twenty-somethings. <laughs> we're dealing with people like in their thirties and their forties and up, people who lived a bit and have an understanding of have a much more mature understanding of what matters at a gaming table. So a lot fewer assholes. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a much more, please, you know, if you want a game and you're here to have fun, yes, you're definitely welcome at the table. As opposed to kind of this gatekeeping kind of nonsense that you see sometimes, especially online. So did do, do to mirror the question that I asked earlier, did you feel less uh, racism around your gaming groups as opposed to your daily life and other groups of people that you have, might have mingled with? Or, or was that still very much uh, a part of internalized behavior? Me personally, I noticed less. My spider senses tingled a lot less. Okay. But again, it, it might be a New York thing. Okay, if, if I may, approximately how old were you at the time? When, when I was in New York? Yeah. First time? 2008 or 2012. The first time I lived in New York, the time I lived in New York for the longest stretch of time, from 28 till about 32. Okay, so you were a proper adult you you were yeah. you know yeah. a college student or something like that you you right. as you said yeah, you had to live a little yeah <laughs> i was grown enough to know better yeah okay so how how would you say um in terms of being a black person mm -hmm. how would you say your experience would compare as a black gamer compared to the experience of white gamers around you? 
what was was there any kind of difference in in the sense of the kind of games that you felt comfortable with or the way of playing that you felt comfortable with compared with the way that they wanted to play and felt comfortable with was there any kind of difference yes and no um Like I said, you know, it's like it took me a while to get a vocabulary for some of the things that I was, that intuition was picking up on earlier. But like, I noticed that I was, I, I was and am a lot more comfortable playing games that acknowledge that I exist. Okay. Um, like, um, the like um what's called like and it's gonna sound silly and I know we talked about this too it's like the art made a difference in some games mm, it um, does. the um like the art made a difference the the way the cultures are described make you know the fictional cultures are described makes a difference the um the the examples people use make a difference it's like it, it's hard to put into like it's hard to put my finger on it like aha that's that specific thing but it's like a, a like a culmination of like a lot of little subtle stuff that you know because it's like with the exception of like two games that I don't know anybody wants to play ever. You know, I don't think most games deliberately set out to be exclusive. But like, um, but that, and that's one of the reasons why I really liked World of Darkness so much. Um, is because it, even though it was clumsy in places about it, the fact that the, that it was understood that we're doing like a horror game in the modern world meant that I didn't have to explain where my character came from. Mm. Or that uh excuse me. Or that, you know it, it, it's just it, it, that just takes a load off. <laughs> it just I can play a black person? Okay. <laughs> or I could play, you know, and and now it's sort of like my my basic kind of requirement for a game where it's like if I can't play a black Jewish lesbian, I'm not interested. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. That's, that's very fair enough. It's like, and you can say, well, but Sean, this game is about anthropomorphic mice. And I'll say, yeah, but I'm going to play a black Jewish lesbian one. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because because to me, you know, and, I've, and we talk about this, it's like, it, it's a deep area of imagination to, to kind of be to, to be exclusive in that way, uh, uh, unless like there's some specific thematic elements there that requires it. And with the exception of games deliberately talking about slavery and stuff, it, it barely requires it. But yeah, it's just um, it's just the, the experience of the games themselves. It's sort of like. You would think, well, it has to be this huge deal with this big thing that, that to make you feel included. I'm like, no, it's little stuff, little stuff that that, that makes me feel like I, I'm welcome at a table. You know, yeah, having 
more than me. It's like having more melanin than me show up. Yeah, it matters. It's like, yeah, you mean that one black friend that we have? Yeah, that matters if you can actually get that person to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so having more than like, like, like that one black player, um, having more than the bare minimum of black players, um, or like being able to uh, create, like having a game that has a, a space for me there, like where I can play a version, a better version of myself or a more interesting version of myself. I can do that. If I can do that, 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 that means a lot. Um, or if I'm at the gaming table and it's sort of like, um, or, or even if it's like, hey, look, it's like, or even if, you know, hey, you're in the middle of Salt Lake City, Utah. I get it. And, you know, you're, you're white as a mayonnaise sandwich in a snowstorm. So, hey, look, sometimes I get it. You, demographics are not always in your favor. But attitude matters. You know, and it's not just, oh, we welcome everybody. Well, duh, nobody's going to advertise the fact they don't want black people in their game. <laughs> it's like, but it's more like, hey, listen, um, I get it. We're a pretty white group. But if anything we say or do, you know, is there anything like we can do to me? And we understand it can kind of be a little daunting. Can, can we make it, can we do anything to make it more comfortable? You don't have to be overly solicitous about it, but just being aware that, you know, being a, a visible minority, mm-hmm. it can be a, you know, it, it can be a daunting thing, especially if you don't know anybody already there. Mm-hmm. Um, or if it's like, listen, or it's like, listen, hey, we're pretty chill group, but if there's like anything, you know, that, that we haven't talked about that, that would make you more comfortable. It's just, you would think it's just basic hospitality. Really, it is. It really is. It's not a matter. I mean, some, I get the feeling that when, when we talk about doing that sort of thing, you know, just, just see me, just, just keep me in mind. I get the feeling that the backlash is that people feel that suddenly you are it's as if you were asking them to replace their identity with yours just so you could be comfortable and it's not that at all isn't it it's not it's not the point no no not at all just it's just don't exclude me <laughs> don't yeah. make it a don't make a fuss you know when those differences come up you know i i get um i i i suppose i could I could say it's like when you go to a country where you don't speak the language and you ask people to communicate with you, but you say good morning or good evening in their own language. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if I went to Japan tomorrow and I could go into a store and say good morning or good evening in Japanese, uh, that would immediately change the way that they feel about me because at least I am making an effort. And, mm-hmm. and I guess that, that is pretty much what it takes, isn't it? To see the people are actually making a little bit of an effort to, to see you, to, to to realize that, yeah, you, you want to be a part and they want you to be a part of that conversation, that culture, that, that interchange of communication, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point, how, how old were you when you realized that uh, role-playing games weren't really including you to the extent that you wanted, you know, because let, let's face it, uh, a number of years ago, representation 
wasn't something that most companies were thinking about. Right. You know, I, I, I cannot point my finger at when it was the first time that I saw a black character in a D&D game that wasn't a drow. Right. Um, you see, like, when did D&D 3rd edition come up? <laughs> uh, 98. Okay, so, and I remember Ember being the black monk in that game and said, okay, I definitely had to play this. Um, no, I'll be about 98, no, I'll be later than that, 99, I think. Or, okay. Or thereabouts, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I guess I was always aware of it. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard not to notice. Like, once you, like, when you look up, when you look, see D&D, you don't see black characters. Or when you look at this, not other fantasy game, there's no black characters. Um, it's sort of like, it's something you, I guess, I only noticed by contrast when I saw games that did include people like me, um, when I did, did include, like, black people. It... It sort of threw everything else in sharp relief. It's like, mm. wait, why is this so different? Oh, because there's black people in it. <laughs> so, and not in that um, exotifying, fetishistic way, you know, mm. where, oh, there, though there's where the black savages live, you know, that, you know, not like that. And, and it was kind of, um, so yeah, so I guess it was always there. I, it's just, I guess, always there, either at the surface or right, or right close to the surface. Again, it's one of those intuitive things, or one of those things where it's like, huh, there's a lot of, huh, there's more black people in this game than this, in all these other games. So let me check out this game. <laughs> where I, I, do not, I, I, I find it very painful to think that you grew up so used to the invisibility that it was the contrast that really called the attention to it yeah you know that it wasn't it was something that i get the feeling that it was so internalized that you just took it as a given that that's the, yeah. the way it is just yeah. you know so why think anything else which is a bit my... wait a minute I'm sorry to cut you off, but actually, there is a moment where it kind of, where I really did think about it. Okay. Um, and you'll be kind of be tickled by this. Um, there was a local game of, um, I don't know if you recall, uh, when the Lord of the Rings films came out. Yeah. It was a role-playing game by um, Decipher Games. Yes. Okay. And we were doing, and at my local game store, we were playing a game of that. It was five or six of us total, including the GM. Well, whatever. Um, and uh, and I think I asked about wanting to play like a like a character from Harad, like Bar Harad. And I looked at the gaming stats. Actually, I still have this game somewhere on my shelf. Actually, give me a moment. Because I want, I, I want a picture of this. I want to. Okay. I want to tell it.
I have what is left of this full color, beautiful book. Okay. So, you know, there's a whole chapter about the races of Middle Earth. And we talk about the different the dwarves, we have the different kinds of hobbits, we have different kinds of elves, and we have dwarves, which are monolithic and I have my whole bone to pick with that, but we're going to specifically <laughs> talk about black people. Um, so you, I'm going to listen, I'm going to read some stuff out and talk, and then, um, then I'm going to do, okay, so you have the Dunedain, that these are the men descended from the Edain were given the island of Numenor. Um, you know, though mingling with lesser men has diminished their blood, a few of pure heritage still remain. Um, and their attribute adjustments, they have a bonus to, well, let's say they have a bonus to charisma and intelligence. Um, then there are the middle peoples, like regular people, I guess. Um, these men are descended from the same people from whom the Dunedain came. But due to centuries of intermarriage, uh, they have uh, fallen low, you know, low of their, they have fallen a bit. Um, and they have a bonus to strength and, well, the equivalent to constitution. Okay. So so already I'm kind of like getting really uncomfortable <laughs> with this emphasis on how the racial essentialism here. Mm. Okay. So I'm already uncomfortable and it's like you know, some people are born better and more capable than others. And it's by virtue of their biology. Hmm. And then they have uh, the men of darkness. Um, these are men who did not belong to one of the three um, houses and who for the most part fell on the dominion of Morgoth and later Sauron. Um, they are shorter, broader, darker haired, dark eyed, usually have sword of sallow skin. Um, from the duskier shades of the men of room to the black of the Haradrim. Um, having lived long under the sway of the shadow, bear no love for the men of the West. Um, thus, this type of man makes a poor choice for a player character. Um, and now the attributes. They get a bonus to the equivalent of dexterity. They get a bonus to strength and a penalty to intelligence. Wow. Ooh. And I asked the GM about it. He said, it's like, yeah, if you're going to play a black character, 
Yes, in this game, black people are dumber than white people. And you know what? I know that some people are going to say, but Tolkien wrote, you know, the Asian characters as coming to help Mordor and so on and so forth. I don't think at any point Tolkien said they were more stupid. So I don't think canon has anything to do with the way that, you know, people of color were portrayed in that game. Yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about like a moment that made me feel like complete dog shit. <laughs> there you wow. go. Um, ooh, that, ooh, that, um, that, oof. I'm and- owning my discomfort here. Yeah, and on top of that, they are the only uh, race in that book that has any penalties to their attributes whatsoever. That that is quite telling. Yeah, that yeah. is that is quite telling. Um, and oof, I'm I'm kind of speechless here. I really, it's very hard to continue with that because that must have been really disheartening. Yeah. Yeah. And I recall yeah, there was one guy who actually played an elf who just wanted to kill orcs. But yeah. But you know, even even the the, the elf who wanted to kill orcs, if if you're not aware of, you know, racial issues, if you are just trying to be an insanely purist Tolkienist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can almost get it. You know, just just to abide by the strict canon. Fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With difficulty, it's a bit of a stretch, but okay, get it. But black people are stupid kind of thing. Oh, bloody hell, come on. That. Oof. Ooh, that hurts. That that, that yeah. hurts. How how did you get over that? If you got over that, I mean, how how did it change for you your perspective on RPGs when you saw that? It didn't really change a little bit. I was disappointed. Okay. But um, but again, I wanted to play. I had no self esteem. So um, so I found another inroad to it, which was at the time my infatuation with David Bowie. So I played a character based on him. Okay. Fair, fair enough, but damn. Ouch, I don't... Oof. Very hard to continue after this, because it's a bit... I wasn't expecting this. I'm, I, I have to admit, I, I... I wasn't expecting this. So yeah, and this it's game hard. came out in... Let me, let me tell you what year this game came out in. Like, oh, that was a long time ago. It really wasn't. No. Copyright 2002. That's 18 years ago. That's yeah. That's not that. That's that's less than a generation ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, it would be interesting to figure out or find out who wrote that. Because uh, a lot of. Lo- oh authors: Stephen S. Long, Joan Rateliff, Christian Moore, Matt Forbeck. I only know one of those. I only know Matt Forbeck. Um, 
And I don't know who wrote what. That, that's one thing that role-playing games uh, authors or publishers should do, you know, to say this person wrote this bit, this person wrote that other bit, this person wrote that other bit. Because sometimes we see so many authors within a role-playing game and we have no idea who did the mechanics or the mechanisms or who did the lore, who who wrote the prose. We don't have a clue, which is uh, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Okay, so let's 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 move on a little bit um, forward because we've been recording already for an hour, uh, and I get the feeling that this is going to turn into a more than one episode. Um, <laughs> you think? Well, I told you it was a big topic. Well, <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm. It's. I'm going to be very honest. I thought I knew what I was going to face. I wasn't expecting what you just told me. Okay. I mean, I, I think this has been the the example that you've just given me, and the fact that I am looking at you, I, I can see your reaction, and I, I am I'm an empath. That when I see people, you know, that's why I'm a good psychotherapist. I, I was just wasn't expecting this. I mean, this has been quite revealing for me because I. I have never heard this experience before. I have never seen it this raw ever. And ouch. Yeah. Ouch, that, that hurts. And and yet you you continued and kept going with RPGs when other people would have said, you know, fuck this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, because um I think sometimes um people aren't aware of how much we already overlook. You know, we already say, okay, that's that, that's the situation. Okay, but I'm, I want to play, so I, I'm not going to draw attention to it. Or I want to play, so I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Um, there's a lot, it's like, yeah, that's a very stark example. Um, but it shows up in smaller ways in other games. Like, um, in the third edition D and D, when you had the half orcs mm-hmm. as the savage race, you know, with a lot of the same nonsense. But like, I could translate. All I have to do is like switch out the word Easterlings and Haradrim for half orcs, and it wouldn't change much. Mm-hmm. You no, know, so. Yeah, and half orcs also they were born out of rape usually. So that yeah. that was a whole <laughs> wow moment for me. It was a bit bloody hell. Yeah. And that touches on like the whole oversex animalistic aspect. That that is uh oversex animalistic uh stereotype that is projected onto black people. And you see it and, and you don't think, well, well that doesn't make sense, but think about it. When, um, who was it? Was it Trevon Martin or someone else? Isn't that bad? When it's like, so which dead black person am I thinking about here? Um, where the person who killed him said, well, he, like, I swear, he acts like the person went all Hulk smash on him. Like, like he just grew 10 feet tall for some reason and Mm. attacked him. And it's the same. The parallels are very striking, um, the, and the the parallels 
uh, are very stark. Um, when you think about like the underpinning logic, okay, so like the underpinning logic of like something like orcs, and this is why it's such a big deal for people who can't quite wrap their head around it. The same stereotypes, the same uh, notions that there is a kind of person who is inherently violent, aggressive, animalistic, unintelligent, uncivilized, barely even worth calling a person, with, to, toward whom the logical response is exterminate on sight. Um, and on top of that, making that, you know, making that a viable mentality, Mm -hmm. you know, a viable, uh, way of of interacting with them without, uh, you know, any kind of moral complexity regarding it. That's, that's why a lot of black players get uncomfortable with that. Because that mirrors the same thing that's said about us when they kill us. Mm. Yes, which I guess that people don't realize, but even if it is done unintentionally, but the resonance is there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the, the same ingredients. Same ingredients. So, so I had to rewrite Orcs, and I made it more like this, but... And, and I like my version. But, um, but yeah, so it's like, so if anything, it's like it's something that really sticks out. It's like the ways that, like, though, that kind of mentality that, uh, you know, you have things like that are overtly racist, like Fatal and Rahoa. Mm-hmm. And I recommend no one ever plays. Um, to the, and I'm giving a huge benefit of the doubt to the Cypher Games from this. Um, you wouldn't believe how much money I gave these people despite this. Um, the very race essentialist towards humans aspect of, of the game I just uh, read from mm. to like D and D, which is like the flag slip slash behemoth game that introduces the vast majority of people to the hobby. Where, where especially in the past, it, you know, you had that same the same uh, underlying I don't want to say belief, but the underlying assumptions or the unquestioned assumptions, where it's like, well, it's no problem with it because it's orcs, or it's no problem with it because it's goblins, or whatever. It's like, uh, yeah, there is a problem with it because you're just transplanting it without really interrogating it and unpacking it. Um, so you have a, the same kind of miasma, like going from, like migrating from place to place to place, and people aren't challenging. Well, now people are challenging it, but, mm. you know, for however many decades D&D has been around, <laughs> Um, it hadn't been challenged, or at least not directly, or or openly, I say. But yeah, 
Wow, um, I'm I'm going to suggest that we leave it here and we continue with this next week because um, I think there is an awful lot to unpack um, and we could continue talking about this, but I reckon that by this moment and point, uh, the, the listeners and viewers should have something in their heads to think about, hopefully. Yeah, don't make uh, life dumber in your games. That's... <laughs> oh well, um, thank you by the way for for sharing all this. Um, yeah, this, this is this is quite deeply personal stuff. So yeah. um, really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so okay, um, listeners, thank you so much for being there. Um, please do do leave your comments, and uh, next episode we we will continue talking about this. So if you have any questions or anything at all it would be great to hear from you and see what um what you have to say seriously yeah specifically you have questions for me please direct them to me so that Aki can tell me them and i can answer yeah. <laughs> yes that, that that would be great um humans thank you very much indeed for being there and um we'll talk to you very soon bye-bye okay.